In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. If I were to ask you all to explain Christianity, what would you say? I bet most of us would say something to the effect of, it's a personal relationship with God through Christ. And that's just fine. That's a good answer. But I think that for many of us, we have been shaped into this cultural understanding of that personal relationship so strongly that we begin to understand that the way we live this out is personal, individual as well. And I think that that individual experience, that kind of self-centered understanding of it's me and Jesus, actually limits our understanding of the gospel work that we are supposed to do. Now true, the decision to follow Jesus, a decision that I hope we make every day, is definitely something that is personal and individual. But once we make that decision, how we execute and live this gospel life is something that we really do together. And we see that kind of idea today in our gospel lesson. This is a gospel lesson really in two parts. There are two mini stories in the lesson that we just heard. The first story is about Jesus returning to his hometown. Now, at this point in the gospel of Mark, Jesus has made quite a name for himself. He's been doing some good stuff. But when he goes back to his hometown, even though he is saying profound words, and even though the people in his hometown hear those words and they are astounded by how profound he really is, they still can't see him as anything but that kid that grew up around the corner, the son of Mary and Joseph. Who is he to tell us anything about the way we are supposed to live? And what I think is amazing about this first little story in the gospel is that Jesus is almost hindered from doing his work because of their profound unbelief. And so Jesus leaves that place, his hometown, where he seems hindered and confined, and he begins to go around to all the villages around where he grew up, and he called the 12 disciples, and he sent them out to do God's work in his name. But did you catch how he sent them out? He sent them out two by two, two by two, because yes, every disciple had to say yes to following Jesus on their own, but then when Jesus actually sent them out to do the work, he made sure they were not alone, and it was together, two by two, that they were actually able to spread the gospel. Now, as Episcopalians, one of the great gifts of our tradition is that we don't do this gospel work by ourselves here in this church. We are a tradition that is little c, Catholic. And that Catholicity, that universal connection all around the world makes what we do here more powerful because we are never alone in the work that we do. Whenever another Episcopal church is doing good work, they're really like our sisters, our brothers, our cousins in this gospel work. And we see that on great display right now, south of us down in Austin. Right now what's going on in the Episcopal church is what we call the General Convention. And the General Convention, I'm going to be honest with you, 
I don't really like legislative stuff. And that's really what is happening mostly at this convention. Every three years, Episcopalians from all over the country, and in fact really the world, because the Episcopal Church is connected to countries outside the U.S., gather and they discuss stuff and they make laws and they pass resolutions and they do all kinds of legislative stuff. But I didn't go to Austin these last few days for the legislative stuff. I went down for the fun, which is why I'm a little hoarse. I actually woke up this morning praying that I had a voice because I had really sort of lost it by yesterday. But this general convention that we do every three years reminds us all just how connected we can be just how many partners we have in the work that we do, that we are not alone, that we don't have to necessarily be everything to everyone because when we do our work together, everyone can find a church home. Everyone can find a place where they can connect with God through Christ and to do Christ's work in the world, to be those hands and feet in the world. Now, when I say do the work, one of the things that General Convention is focusing on this year is that E-word, evangelism. Episcopalians have always taken very seriously, just as we do here at St. Michael, that we are called to do stuff out in the world, that what we do inside these walls is not all there is. We come here to be refilled and renewed and inspired so that when we leave, we can carry that gospel message out into the world but we do that in two ways. The first is through mission, and we like mission. Mission sounds good, mission feels good. We identify people who need our help, people who are vulnerable, people who have lost their way in some sense, and we use whatever strength, authority, power, gifts that we have to help meet the needs of those people. We like mission work, and we do take that seriously. But the work of the gospel is not just mission. The other side of that coin is evangelism. Evangelism, that invitation to join us on this way, to join us in this life defined by love because of Jesus' love for us first. And evangelism is often something that we miss because, you know, we don't want to make anyone feel bad. We don't want to make someone feel judged. We certainly don't want to proselytize anybody. But evangelism can be so much more than that. Evangelism is choosing to practice this faithfulness in such a way that our lives become a magnet. Our lives actually become the invitation for people to find wholeness and to find transformation in faith in Christ. That kind of work of evangelism is something that is not programmatic, right? Evangelism needs no new program. Evangelism simply needs practice. Practice lived out loud, lived out loud to the point where everyone sees the why of the good that we do. And this conversation at General Convention over the last few days reminded me of a commencement address I heard years ago at Emory University. When I was a student there, this commencement address was given by an unlikely person. In fact, the university had chosen to give an honorary degree to someone who was an unusual recipient. This man named Hugh Thompson had not even completed college himself, and yet, as an army helicopter pilot, had been such 
an example of character, an exemplary example of what being good in the world is all about, they decided to invite him in and honor him with this degree. And as I'm sure we all know, commencements, graduations can be raucous and loud and oftentimes whoever's speaking isn't really listened to. But Hugh was different. When Hugh got up and began to tell his story, all of the students quieted down and they listened <clears throat> to what brought him to that stage that day. He told the story of March 16, 1968. He was flying a routine patrol over the city of My Lai in Vietnam, where he saw American troops attacking villagers. He saw old men and women and children being hurt and killed by these American troops, and they seemed to have no way to defend themselves. And so Thompson and his co-pilot decided that they would do about the only thing they could do, and they set their helicopter down in between the American soldiers and these villagers. And he ordered his tail gunner to train the helicopter's only big gun right at the American soldiers, speaking to them through their speaker to put their guns down, to stop hurting these villagers. And they stopped. Now Hugh's actions were his own. And because of his actions, he was nearly court-martialed. But as you can imagine, years later, more than 30 years later, the army realized, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the fun coming out. The army realized that what Thompson had done was truly heroic. And they awarded him the Soldier's Medal. And as he stood on that graduation stage, talking to these young men and women, they sat perfectly still. And after he finished the story of his copter trip in Vietnam, he began to talk about his faith. And he used simple words, saying, his parents taught him to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that that had defined everything that he had done. And the students were captivated by the witness of this simple man, that these words that were profound and wise, these words from Jesus were words that had defined the action of his life. And the students, who were likely mostly cynical, jumped to their feet and gave him a standing ovation at the end of his speech. What they saw in this man is what Christ calls all of us to be, simple examples of love in a world that never has enough. But you see, the life that we're called into, the life that Jesus invites us into, the life that we can invite others into is so simple, love God and love your neighbor, that we often try to complicate it. But what if instead we just hear Jesus' words, love each other, what if we hear Jesus call us out into the world to not only serve those in need, but to invite those we meet to follow this way of love too? Jesus left his hometown in order to call people to follow him. And when they made that choice to follow, he sent them out to invite others two by two. 
We are never alone in this life. It is never only up to us by ourselves. I thank God every day that I have people like you and that you have one another so that when we choose again every day to follow this way of love and to define everything that we do through the simple, simple command of love, that we never have to do so alone. Jesus sends us out two by two. May everything that we do when we leave this room be examples of love that not only serve, but invite others to join us too. Amen.